worked in remote village communities similar to one, the one that Rieger is living in um, and just helping in whatever way I could, wherever the Lord directed me. But I'm back in the States now. I'm a special education teacher. I'm a teacher by heart. Um, I'm living in Boston, and I'm really nervous. This is my first time speaking, so you ladies have to bear with me a little. So I'm just going to open us up in prayer and just invite the Lord here, and then we'll begin. So if you could just bow your heads and pray with me, that'd be awesome. Whew, dear Lord, I just, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you so much, Lord, for allowing me, Lord, the opportunity to be here today, God. I thank you, Lord, for how you've worked in my life, God, through struggles and through amazing times, Lord. I just thank you. I pray, Lord, that you just use my voice today, God, and use it, Lord, in your will. I pray that you just speak to these women through this message, God. And I thank you for each lady sitting at these seats, God. I thank you for their heart to be here today. I thank you for the courage they had to step in these doors, God. I pray, Lord, that we would just step forward in you today and that you would just continue to transform our lives as we sip your living water so we become more and more like you. I pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. 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 All righty. Well, so I was living in Haiti, and I've been traveling to Haiti directly after the earthquake. So I had been there five times before um, taking the leap of faith and moving there. But my third trip to Haiti is always a trip that has really stood out for me. And so I'm going to share a short story about my, one of my experiences there. So during my third trip to Haiti, the country was suffering from a cholera outbreak. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with cholera, but it's a bacterial infection. And so it's transported through water. And a lot of the country was actually um, dying and was becoming really, really ill from this bacterial infection. And so every short-term trip to Haiti, we were allotted one day to use as a medical day. So our team met, and we discussed what this medical day was going to be like. And that medical day was going to be a hike up this beautiful mountain um, to a village called Balizage. And we were going to pass out water purification tablets. And so we met the day before, and we were talking about our trip. And we were told the hike was going to be 45 minutes. And we were going to walk up this mountain and pass out water purification tablets and pray for this community, and then walk back down. And we were excited. We were learning phrases in Creole, or trying our best to speak Creole, and um, we were ready to go. And so we were also honestly a little bit excited because it was the middle of the trip and we were all feeling kind of tired. So we were like, oh, 45 minutes is such a quick hike. And we will like hike and then we'll come back and reflect and have some quiet time and it's going to be the perfect day. And so the next day we stepped foot in the center of town and we actually loaded up a donkey. And <laughs> This poor, beautiful donkey carried all of our water. And the little donkey carried all of our water purification tablets. And us and the donkey, as a team, began our trek up this mountain. Now, if you can imagine, it's similar to like a hill in San Francisco, right? You're standing at the bottom of the hill looking up and thinking, oh my gosh, I took like the wrong path. This hill is so big. So we were doing the same. We were like, 45 minutes, hmm. And we were looking up the mountain. OK, 45 minutes, let's go. So we started, and we started our trek. So it was probably about an hour later. We were walking on this riverbed. It was dry season in Haiti, so the rivers weren't filled. So we were walking up this riverbed. And some of us were getting tired, but we continued our trek. And 
I remember kind of an hour thinking, hmm, we've already been walking an hour, and I don't see a community close at all. And I don't know if any of you have heard of island time, but there is such thing. Haitian time might be a little bit even crazier than island time. So we're already an hour, and I'm starting to wonder, like, is this really going to be 45? Well, it's already past 45 minutes, but how is this going to work? So some of us were getting really tired on this rocky riverbed. Some of us were laying down. We were feeling like, I cannot go on. This is crazy. Oh, yeah, I was one of them, laying down, feeling like I couldn't go on. I'm rocks. This looks really comfortable, right? And that, those feet were probably someone encouraging me to get up and keep going. And so we continued up our hike. And now 45 minutes was turning into probably like an hour and a half. And I started asking those questions like, Pastor, are we almost there? Kind of like a kid traveling to Disneyland. Like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? When are we going to be there? And we kept walking. And then, as we were walking, all of these school children appeared. I, I, they appeared out of nowhere. And I was like, what? Why are these children walking up this mountain, too? They were coming home from school. And they were all walking up the mountain. And in moments, they disappeared. Like, they were walking so fast. They took a minute and stared at us. Like, why are these Americans, like, walking up this mountain? And then they kept walking. And it was minutes later, and they were gone. And I remember kind of being jealous, like, how are these kids already getting up this mountain way faster than us? Or like, why did they already pass us? But we kept going. And now we're probably at like two and a half hours walking up this mountain. And I was like, this is really Haitian time. Like, 10 minutes is an hour, and 45 minutes is four, which it ended up being. It ended up being four hours to hike up this mountain. And so we kept walking. And we kept encouraging each other. Some of the path was bumpy, and other parts of the path were flat. And when we got to the flat parts of the path, we were excited. It's a little bit easier of a walk. But then we got to the point where we had to make a decision. It was already four hours. And we had to decide, are we going to continue to walk up the mountain and serve these water purification tablets, or are we going to just go home? Because we're not even there yet. We were worried that it was getting dark. We were worried that the path was going to be dark at night. We weren't going to be able to see it. And we didn't know what to do. So we decided as a team that half of the team was going to walk to the top of the mountain, who was feeling a little bit stronger, while the other half of the team was going to stay kind of to the bottom of the community where they could serve and pass out the water purification tablets. So that's what we did. So I, even though I was laying on the rocks, tried to be a trooper and walk to the top of the mountain. And we finally arrived. And when we arrived, the first family we were blessed to see was this woman who was a grandmother. And she was with her baby and her son, or her, her, sorry, her grandson. And um, she was just sitting there. And she was telling the translator that it takes them hours to get their water. So where we started walking is where these people would walk every day to get their water. And they used this water for everything. They used it for washing their clothes, for washing their dishes. They used it for cooking, for cleaning, everything, for drinking. And so when we got there, we were practicing our Creole the best we could. And we handed the water purification tablets to this woman. And instantly, she said, Merci, Seigneur, which means, thank you, Lord. And she said, Bonjour, Benihu, which means, God bless you. This woman, it didn't even 
the thought didn't even cross her mind. She knew immediately that those water purification tablets were not coming from Americans. They weren't coming from us, that the Lord sent us to this community four hours up this mountain to hand them these water purification tablets. And that was one of the moments in my walk with the Lord where I felt like, thank you, God. Because to me, I might have been tired walking up this mountain, and I might have felt like I couldn't go on. But to this woman, this small gesture that I thought was so small was just such a big deal. And that this small water purification tablet could change her life, and she didn't have to fear that her family was going to get sick, and they were going to have to hike these children or someone in her family down the mountain in, this, in a cot because no one else could reach their community. So she was just very excited, and she knew that it was coming from the Lord. And we just continued that day to pass out water purification tablets. And we got a similar response from every family, and we were able to pray over the community. And then we started walking back down, four hours back down the mountain. And um, it was funny how sometimes you think, why is this taking so long, or where am I going to go, or it's forever. And then we started walking down the mountain, and that four hours did not even cross our mind anymore. We stuck our first step down that mountain, and we had like, felt like the Lord just provided us with a victory. The Lord gave us the opportunity. He gave us the opportunity to pass out these water purification tablets. And we walked down, and we were reflecting, and all of the concerns walking up the mountain didn't matter anymore. And that's kind of like our walk with the Lord, that every single mountain is different. Every hill in San Francisco is different. Sometimes we're taking a path, and we think we take the path with like the little hill, and then you realize it's the huge hill, and you're like, oh, no, I should have went the other way. Um, it's similar, and that's how I kind of view my walk in our lives with the Lord as a mountain. And sometimes there's bumpy paths to the mountain, and sometimes there's barriers, and sometimes there's nice, smooth paths. And each one of you ladies sitting here today is probably on a different path. And as, my, as I transition out of the story and just talk about my life, as a child, my life's path was very bumpy. It was really, really rocky. And it took me a long time to reach the bottom of that mountain and look up and take my step forward with the Lord. And so I'm here today to just share with you kind of my walk with the Lord and my testimony, and hopefully y'all will enjoy. Um, sorry, I have, I'm a teacher, so I have little flashcards <laughs> to help me remember my key points here. Um, so as a child, I grew up in western Massachusetts, which is about an hour and a half from Boston, and I grew up in a very large family, and I grew up in a Catholic home, and so I went to church, you know, once a week, kind of was like, okay, there's God, I kind of get this God thing, but I was a kid, and luckily I have an uncle who's a pastor, and so he kind of was my sounding board, and I used to ask him, I remember as a child, like, really, like, elaborate questions about God, and he would always come back with a nice kid-friendly answer, and I would continue asking more questions, but um, when I was eight years old, I hit a really bumpy path in my walk, in my life. And I um, experienced sexual abuse from the ages of eight years old to the age of 12. And during that time, I really questioned, like, God, are you there? Or, Lord, if you were here, I wouldn't have all this pain in my life right now. And then at the age, during those times around the age of 12, I really started acting out. I was crying out for help. 
And that sometimes children take all of their emotions and kind of shut it down, and they're really quiet. And then sometimes children respond in the opposite way. As you guys can probably already tell, I'm a pretty loud person. So I acted out, <laughs> and I was screaming for help. I was screaming to my family, I was screaming to my friends, and I was screaming to my teachers that something was wrong. And at the age of 12, I felt like no one was listening. And so what I did was, I guess what most people would do, I put everything inside. I shut it down, I pretended like nothing happened, and I kept walking forward. And then I hit my teenage years and I was thirsting for something that would make me happy. I was thirsting for something that I thought was bigger than me. And those thirsts might have looked like attention from guys. Any type of attention, positive or negative, I didn't care. I wanted attention. And at the age of 16, I started dating someone who was older than me. He was heading off to college. And the summer going into my senior year, I became pregnant. And I had to make a decision. And even though I felt like I didn't really know the Lord, I knew the decision that I should make. And I went through a lot at 16 years old, 17. Um, it was the biggest decision I've ever made in my life, still, I think, till this day. And during that time, I made a decision that I'm not proud of, but I had an abortion. And it was kind of a decision that was just told to me by my boyfriend. And so I did what I, what, I, what I did before. I had already experienced abuse in my life, so I shut it all down. I pretended like nothing happened, and I kept walking forward. And then I hit college, and I was doing the same thing, and I thought my life was the best it would ever be. I was out drinking and hanging out with my friends, and I was looking for attention in positive or negative ways. I didn't care. Then I kept going, and I was living in Boston, and life was great. It was the best it was going to be. And then I took my first step. I was standing at the bottom of the mountain, and my friend Kayla asked me, Annie, would you like to go on a mission trip with me to Ecuador? And I thought, all right, well, I'll go help kids in Ecuador, sure. I didn't really realize it was serving. I didn't think of it that way. I thought I was going to go there and help. And I went to Ecuador for two weeks. And I was looking up at this big mountain thinking, how do I walk up this hill? And during my time in Ecuador, I was at a Spanish-speaking service, and I don't speak any Spanish. And I remember lifting my hands to the Lord for the first time in my life. In that moment, I just was crying. And I remember saying to myself, like, this is who God is right here in this service. There was women dancing, and there was people praising the Lord, and I had no idea what was going on with the Holy Spirit that day reminded me or told me that God was there. So that was my first step. And we all have those steps in our lives where we take a little sip from the Lord and he like transforms us and tries to keep us going and walking forward. So then I moved to San Francisco, one of the best decisions ever. And I um, started kind of plugging into Cornerstone and was really excited to be going to church. And so I went to church on Sundays because that's what I was used to doing. And then the earthquake hit in Haiti. And I taught a lot of Haitian students when I was living in Boston, and it was always a country I wanted to go to. I had no idea at this point in my life that the Lord was going to work through me and through Haiti to transform my life, but he did. And I always wanted to go. And so I'm not going to lie. I prayed about it a little, 
I'm still new to my walk, so I kind of prayed a little. And then I was watching Oprah, just kind of. <laughs> I was watching Oprah, <laughs> and there was a Haitian artist on Oprah, and they were interviewing about the earthquake. And I was like, I need to go to this country. I want to go and help and serve in whatever way I can. And then the next day, one of my closest friends called me and said, I know about a trip that you can go to to Haiti. And so in March of 2010, it was only two months after the earthquake, I traveled to Haiti by myself to meet a team that I had no idea who they were, and I served there for a week. And during my first trip to Haiti, I saw hope through devastation. And it made me think about my life and our lives as women, that through something that's so terrible that you feel like everyone is going to be on the ground crying, you would walk through tent communities of people who had, were amputated from this devastation, and they were lifting their hands to the Lord like they knew that God was still in that country. In that moment, when I saw these people who I thought were going to be crushed, but they were still raising their hands to the Lord and thanking the Lord, I realized that my life is is like the same, that I can still lift my hands to the Lord. I've been through things, but I can lift my hands to the Lord. And that moment, I realized that I needed to really plug in. And that's when I started taking my next step to plug into Cornerstone. And I took the Connections class. I don't know if it's called that anymore. OK, but I took the Connections class. And I began ushering. And I joined a small group. And I was baptized in the fall of 2010. I'm coming on my fourth year anniversary of my baptism. And I made a commitment at that point in my life that I was going to keep sipping this water because this water was really driving me. It was making me feel exactly the way I needed. It was making me feel full in a positive way. But I was also looking at all these people at church saying, like, I don't raise my hands to the Lord that way. Or I don't do that. And it was kind of like how I was comparing myself to the children on the mountain. Like, why are they already passing? Or if you're on the highway and you're driving and you're like, that car is like, how did that car pass me? I need to get there faster than that car. Um, that's kind of how I felt. And I decided that at that moment that every walk is different and that it's OK that I'm not raising my hands yet to the Lord. Or it's OK that this is where I'm at, because every mountain is different. And I'd like to share with you all a verse from Hebrews 10. Um, 35 through 37, it says, so do, not, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. Sometimes it's easy to say, I can't do this. Or sometimes it's easy to see someone else passing you and say, but I'm not going that fast, and throw away our confidence, especially as women. I think women, we always compare ourselves to someone or something. And I don't know, this verse is just great, that the Lord is going to be with us and to continue to persevere. So my fourth step is kind of a silly step, but I was waiting. I really wanted to live in Haiti. I, the second I stepped foot in the country of Haiti, I wanted to live there. But I had to wait. And sometimes waiting is the hardest. It's like when you send an important text message and you're just like waiting 
You're like sitting there, like on, you're like staring at your phone or you're at your desk at work and your phone is just there and you're like, when, is the, when are they gonna reply? Or you're sending a really important email to your boss and you have this great idea and you're just like at your computer with your email app just like waiting. You're like, okay, this is taking forever. How am I going to wait for this? That's how I felt about waiting to go to Haiti. Or it's like the 45 minute hike up this mountain, right? 45 minutes and then it was four hours later. No, it all makes sense. And as Americans, we want everything to happen so fast. Waiting is like, I think waiting is my biggest weakness. I am not good at waiting. And I wanted to go to Haiti. But the Lord really told me that I needed to wait. And that was when I realized that the Lord really wanted to heal me before I could step out and heal other people. That the Lord sees us as individuals. And even though he's looking at this entire country of Haiti and saying, there is a need here, well, I had a need too. And sometimes that's really hard to say, you know what, I have a need. I have a need that needs to be filled from the Lord. I have a need. And so the Lord <laughs> had me wait, which I wasn't happy about. But now I, now I understand. Um, and so that brings us to my, one of my main points is that we may not know, and it's in your handout as well if you want to fill in the little portions, but we may not know where the Lord is leading, but we need to trust him and step out and wait for that transforming step that he is going to give us. So sometimes in our life we want to know everything, but we may not know where the Lord is leading us. And we may not have a clue, we may not understand at all, but we need to step out and just trust that the Lord already has our, plan, our life planned out. He knows everything that's going to happen. And so my next step was probably one of the hardest steps in my walk. I was so used to serving. I, sometimes I think that I was serving to kind of cover up my need. Like I was running and saying, like, where does this person need help? Or, you know, I'm a special education teacher and I work with kids with emotional disabilities, and so there's always a need in my classroom. <laughs> always. I don't know if any of you are teachers or social workers. There is always a need. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on every child's need, and I'm not going to think about myself. I don't need to. And so my fifth step with the Lord was really about being open. And that was really hard for me. It's really hard to share about abuse when you've never shared it before in your life. It's really hard to come to a church and share about an abortion, which is really, really hard. And so I needed to figure out a way to pray to the Lord and the Lord direct me to share with people honestly. At this point, I was leading trips with Cornerstone and <laughs> I was a little nervous. I was like, if I tell one of the pastors this, they are not going to let me lead trips anymore to Haiti. Or like, if I tell people, they're, they're going to be like, oh my goodness, why are you at this church? And I had all these fears, which are silly, but they're, they're real. And I had to realize that I had a need and that I needed support. And that the Lord is there for us, but sometimes when we have a need, we need to share it so that other people can be praying for us as well and supporting us. And that's what I did. It was kind of like I was laying on the rocks. Like every weekend I was laying in my bed crying and I'd send an email to my small group saying like, I have a need right now. I'm crying, I'm laying on these rocks and I feel like I cannot go on. I'm feeling like I can't go on. And I know that 
in a few weeks, I'm going to address this need to my family. And I know in a few weeks, I'm going to address this need somewhere else. And I'm going to go to therapy. And all these things are happening. And I just want to help other people, because I don't want to focus on myself, but I have a need too. And that's where community is so important. That's where community says you need to get up off those rocks and you need to keep climbing that mountain. Because that hill looks really big still. That hill in San Francisco, I'm on Divis and I'm looking up and I'm like, I cannot make it. That hill looks really big. But that's when your friends and your community and church tell you to get up and keep moving. And that takes me to Psalms 37. And I'm using the message version for this. Psalms 37, 5 and 6. It says, open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high moon. That everything you go through in your life as a child, as an adult, when the mountain gets really, really rocky, that God will validate that, and that's all part of his purpose. And that takes me to another point, that the Lord, he wants to heal us. He wants to heal us. He wants us to share with him, but also he wants us to share with others. He wants to transform our lives to be more like him. And after I shared with everyone I needed to, and after the Lord transformed my life, I didn't have to wait anymore. <laughs> yes. He said, you can go to Haiti. You can live there for an entire year now, Annie. You can go. And so last year, I spent an entire year in the country of Haiti. And during the waiting period in the process, I realized that God does need to heal us first. Because the strength I had in Haiti, the day-to-day -day strength that the Lord gave me in Haiti was because the Lord healed me and strengthened me for this trip that he had planned for me before I even knew it. That the way Haiti, the Lord used Haiti to kind of transform my life. And that's how serving others can be. It might not be in Haiti, but the Lord wants to use us as his servants so he can also transform us and walk closer with him. In that every single day when I was in Haiti, I was on my knees each morning saying, Lord, can you please just give me what I need today? Because I'm stepping, taking a foot, step out into this dry and weary land. Because it was hot and it was dry. <laughs> and I didn't know where the Lord was going to call me that day. I was teaching English in the morning, but in the afternoon, I don't know where I would be. I might be at a medical hospital. There might be a need in a village. And for some reason, they all thought I was a nurse, even though I'm just a teacher. So I didn't. I was like, OK, I think that cot needs to be clean, but I don't really know. And so the Lord uses us each day in our walk. And I have one more verse, then we're going to talk about more of an application, how we can use this in our lives. So Ephesians 6, 7, and 8. It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, 
because you know that the Lord will reward each of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Sometimes it's nice to get that validation saying, like, you're doing a good job. But it doesn't matter because when you're serving for the Lord, he sees every part of that. And when I came back to the United States, I remember coming back and saying, how are you going to use me here again, God? Can I just go back to Haiti? There's so much need there. Then I realized that there is so much need right in front of me. Every single day, there is need. There is need in San Francisco. There is need in the East Bay. There is need in this country. There is need around the entire world. And the Lord, another point is that the Lord wants us to step outside of our comfort. He wants us to serve. And we need to say yes to that sip. When he is going to give us that sip to transform the lives of others, we need to say yes. Now, not everyone (laughs) is called to go to Haiti. And not everyone is called to be a pastor or serve in that way. But we are all called to serve. We may be called to serve at our workplace. There may be this person at work that everyone complains about. And that might be the person that we are called to serve. We may be called to serve at our school. Sometimes it's hard to say, like, they're saying, why are you smiling so much? Why are you so happy all the time? Well, I know the Lord. (laughs) Life is good now. It's better than it could ever be. Some of us might need to be serving in our family. Some of our families might not know the Lord the way we know the Lord. Or with our friends. Or here at Cornerstone. Or in San Francisco with City Team. There are so many places that the Lord has called us to serve. And sometimes the Lord uses service in us serving to heal us. It's kind of like when you go on a trip to Haiti or you go out to the Tenderloin and you feel like, I'm going to do all of this good And then you take a step back and realize, like, Lord, I feel like you've transformed my entire life. But I felt like I was serving you, and I am serving you, but you still use that to transform me. Are you guys ready to serve? Take the next step. Maybe it is helping Rieger's family build that home. Maybe it is serving at Coffee Talk. Maybe it's talking to that one person at your work that's really, really struggling and she feels like no one is listening to her. The Lord is calling us to serve. To step outside of our comfort zone and serve. And I want to just take a few minutes of reflection time. And I really just want to use this time for us to sit quietly. Think about how The Lord wants to transform our lives by each sip. It's not a race, but it's a hike up a really difficult mountain. Sometimes it's a really hard hike, and sometimes the hike is really smooth. In whatever place you're in, I want us to give us some time to just really reflect on our lives and where the Lord is calling us to serve. Where is the Lord calling us to take a step out, say yes to him, and really open our eyes to the needs all around us. So I have a few questions that are going to be right up here. And during this time of reflection, just sit for a few minutes quietly. And 
can really think about these questions. And so because we're all at different walks, hopefully these questions can kind of relate to all of us. Some of us might be at the bottom of the mountain, and we might ask, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to let go of in my life to fully live for living water? If I'm at that bottom of the mountain and I'm looking up, what do I need to leave behind so I can take that first step up that mountain? My second question is, where is God asking me to take my next step so he can transform me? Sometimes we might already be up the mountain a little bit, but where am I supposed to go? There's a path, and the mountain is going in two different directions. Lord, where do you want me to take that next step so you can make me more and more like you? And my third question is, Lord, once I have living water in my life, once you've healed me, where do you want me to be? Where am I called to serve? Am I called to serve at my workplace? Where am I called to serve here at Cornerstone? Where am I called to serve? Am I called to serve in Haiti? Where am I called to serve? And then the last question is, once I have that living water in me, we need to continue to fill that cup. And we need to continue to take sips. So what sips do I need to continue to take in my life to keep my spirit, my faith, and my walk with the Lord quenched? Sometimes we go through difficult times, even in our walk with the Lord. And we need to keep ourselves quenched so we continue to thirst for that living water. So we're just going to play some music and you ladies can just bow your heads or go on your knees, however you feel is going to help you. And just take a few minutes of reflection and just think about these questions. Thank you, Lord, for each mountain that we're on, God. Even if that mountain feels really, really difficult to walk up right now, God, I, I pray, Lord, that you give us the courage, God, or the strength, God, to ask you, Lord, how do I take that next step? I pray, Lord, that we don't just take this message this morning, God, and Walk out of these doors, Lord, and forget, Lord, that you are calling us to serve, God. I just pray, Lord, that you just show us the way. Because our hearts are open, God. Our hearts are open to you. And, Lord, each of us want to serve you, Lord. We want to become more and more like you, God. And I just pray, Lord, that you just show us the way. Lord, I pray for Rieger and his family in Haiti, God. I pray, Lord, that we can just raise this money, Lord, as a community, God, that you just give us the money, Lord, that we need so that him and his family don't end up homeless, God, that we know, Lord, that this is in your will. Lord, and I pray that when Rieger and his family see those walls going up, God, that they know, Lord, that it's from you. And that, Lord, that that home that's about to be built, God, because we know that you are faithful and it will happen, Lord, that that home that is about to be built, when that community walks by that house, Lord, they're not just seeing a house, Lord, they're seeing a home that you built for them. With strong columns, 
and a strong foundation, just like our walk with you. I pray, Lord, that you just bless everyone that's sitting here. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for how you've moved in our lives. I thank you for quenching our thirst. And I thank you for those difficult, rocky paths that you put us on because, Lord, you know what? That's what makes us stronger. And that's what transforms us to make us more like you. I pray all of these things, Lord, and I thank you for all of these women. I pray them all in your son's name. Amen.